0: Hello and welcome to the Property Roundup here on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. The show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on activity on the ground and to learn about new trends emerging. The show is sponsored by DAF.ie, Ireland's most visited property website. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by a returning guest, Regina Mangan, Managing Director of Liberty Blue Estate Agents. Regina, it's great to see you again. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. The sun is shining here
1: in Onray in West Waterford. What could you ask for?
0: Uh, you are a walking advertisement for the area, Regina, and that view and that blue sky is beautiful. And um, so look, you're based in West Waterford today, but obviously you are, your office is based in Waterford City and you operate across uh, the, the wider Waterford market. So you might just tell us how are things right now in Waterford um, in terms of the property market?
1: Well, it's been... um. It's been a challenging year for buyers and sellers because stock levels are drastically down. And I think that's what we're seeing across the country regionally in in, in outside of Dublin. Uh, and looking at the DAFT figures there um the last quarter in Munster, five point one percent increase in prices across Munster, and we've seen exactly the same in our office, actually a bit higher. We've achieved 6% over asking across the board, in some cases, 14, 18% over asking. That's to do with supply and demand. And then when we look at stock levels, stock levels are down 19% right now compared to this time last year. So that's very difficult for buyers and sellers. For us as a business, we've had a great year. We've actually had our best year in business um, in 26 years. That's a combination, I suppose, of not just selling and renting homes, but I suppose in how you work smarter and better Um, uh, in terms of population, we're seeing like huge rises in population and inward migration. According to all the experts, we're going to have another million people living in the Republic of Ireland. Um, in the next 26 years between now and 2050. So it will be challenging. Um, last year, government built, government have been speaking about building 30,000 homes and builders and developers are obviously the ones that are getting up in the morning and taking all the risk and building these homes. But according to uh, Guru Jim Power, economist, we need 45,000 homes built every year for the next 10 years. So, you know, um, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and one thing I'd say for any buyers that might be listening, it's been very challenging in terms of interest rate hikes. We've seen 10 interest rate hikes in the last 15 months. Mm-hmm. That's not going to go on forever. Probably maybe over the next 12 months, the EBC will do another couple of interest rate rate hikes. But I heard a great terminology. Date the interest rates marry the home, Right. The interest rates, um, this is a temporary situation. It's not long term. And I think a lot of buyers are waiting for the market to cool and they're saying, hang on, we'll wait off. We want prices to drop. I can't see that happening. It's supply and demand, rising population and a deficit of, of home building. That's And obviously, we, there has been little to no social homes construction over the last 20 years so we are running with a major backlog, as you well know, Carol.
0: Um, but look, when you're talking to to intended home buyers, whether the first time buyers or if you do have um, uh, any rare investors, uh, buy to let investors, are um, those looking to trade up or down? What's holding them back? Is it more an interest rate or a lack of
1: ready supply? Biggest challenge for somebody want to move forward in their journey in life is actually securing a suitable home. Mm -hmm. We did a survey in the last week and we sent it out to over 4,000 people, 4% response rate. Apparently that's good. Um, And a huge amount of people want to plan for later living and there are no single story homes. Like bungalows, you know, are like hen's teeth. And in terms of planning, there is no plan for later living. Um, that's a huge issue like we've say, agreed a lovely little house in rural west waterford for um, a, um, a couple in their autumn years he's 84 um anna is 79 um and they need to move to waterford city to be near their um, adult children it's proving enormously challenging to find a home that suits their needs
0: and Regina, we've just recently done a whole show on this with Pat O'Mahony, who was putting forward a really progressive idea for essentially retirement villages, but not to be confused with kind of the nursing homes that call themselves retirement villages. These are privately developed, privately owned Um but essentially uh, uh, coming together of suitable homes within the community so that we can actually extend our housing options for elder living for both the public and private sector. But at the moment, the private sector is completely overlooked uh, for independent uh, senior home living. And, um, you know, so we've done a whole show on this exploring options, but it is clear that it is a looming problem. And, you know, we've talked about it being a looming problem for a number of years, but actually it's coming home to roost much quicker than people expected. So actually, you're describing the the um you're describing that for, for that couple today. Um. So actually, this is not a, a problem coming down the track for Ireland. It's a problem that's there today. And we're not fully considering when we talk about supply and demand. I think we're not very good at breaking down what that demand is.
1: Absolutely. And if I could just add to that, my parents moved from rural um uh, County Limerick, an old farmhouse um, that was too big for them and in need of massive repair. They didn't have the means or the, I suppose, ability to sort it out. Um, and so they moved to John Garvin to be near us. And um, I found a beautiful semi-detached bungalow. But what works about that is that that bungalow is within a beautiful residential estate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lovely green and beautiful trees. I'm not completely sold on the idea. That um all elderly people should be living with elderly people. My father complains about going to the Dacia center because they're all flipping old, right? So um a lot of elderly people, they it's good for our communities to have um, a social private um elderly young. We need that in order to thrive, and and like the neighbor across the way cuts their grass, yeah, like and they do things for them. And so if everybody was old, you know, that would be problematic. In in even in terms of their mental health, they don't yeah. want to be all old people hanging out with old people. And 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 I think the way that that estate in Dungarvan is that you have that bungalows with two story homes. And the other thing is, I was speaking at the Construction Federation Conference the other night and I just put out there, what can you do in terms of? future proofing homes for different audiences. Can we have downstairs bathrooms, not WCs that kind of really toilet and sink like a proper bathroom? What about in years to come where that living room could be converted to a bedroom because there's a bathroom and then you have one person with a mobility issue who can live downstairs? They don't need a big kitchen. Elderly people, they might need a small kitchen. Their family have flown the nest. That kind of thinking needs to be explored, in my view.
0: Um, you're absolutely right. And actually, in terms of future-proofing homes, I think uh, while they're looking at it from the public sector, the private sector could actually follow the lead in this, but approved housing bodies have done some great work around the design of future-proofing homes, particularly, say, Circle bHA and others. Um, so there are definitely the public sector or the approved housing bodies really have taken the lead on this, but the private sector could really do with um learning from that as well. And by the way, I would just echo what you're saying there about actually the importance of elder, ho- uh, elder living options being part of the community and a diverse community in terms of age and socioeconomic and, and a mm-hmm. whole range of, because actually that was one of the really important points that Pat made, that actually it doesn't work if you're out in a suburb uh just with with um people who are just like you you have to be part of a thriving dynamic community that's full of diversity because that's where we all thrive so um i think that's a really important point but i, I you know we just we haven't done um uh, i i think not just for elder housing options for public and private sector i don't think we've done i i don't think we plan housing well for the demographics that exist today i'm not sure if we've a really good understanding of what they are particularly post covid no, and
1: absolutely. And look at the the twenty somethings. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that they're enormously sophisticated in terms of their traveling experiences. They're jet setting here, there, and everywhere—Paris, Vancouver, the whole lot—and they're seeing what they what their lives are exposed to. They're on TikTok. The way they consume information mm-hmm. is enormously different. And I I I think that. The whole one size fits all model is no longer suitable, you know. And even if you think about somebody going out for a run in the morning, having a shower, where could they have a shower downstairs if they're in? Because three bed semi D is, is really, I suppose, the main um, uh, house type in demand in terms of affordability and density and all the rest. But how can we change the configuration that it's adaptable for Um, different audiences or not have them all the same, have chunks for different audiences, just a little bit more choice.
0: Uh, Look, choice is always something we'd advocate for. You touched on something there that is just such a passion of mine, and that is the difference with how people are consuming information right now. And by the way, take us, for example, you're uh, in the heart of West Waterford. I'm in the heart of Connemara today, despite the Dublin the Dublin signage behind me, and we are having a conversation about, you know, the changing, the changing nature, not just of the property markets, but actually the changing nature of how property is consumed, bought, sold. um, And it's something that I know you and I have connected with over the years because we have a shared passion for innovation and technology. And for that reason, I'm very excited to hear to hear your news. So you might just share with our audience um the announcement that you'll be making in the coming weeks.
1: Um thank you, uh Carol. Um I have written a book in collaboration with a UK book writing company. Um it's called Um How to Build a Smarter, Faster Irish Estate Agency. And um I can't believe it. I started it in February, January, February of this year. And uh it'll be typeset now in the next two and a half weeks ready to go we were going to launch it in december but we decided with the craziness of christmas we would launch it in january um so i'm i'm excited and extraordinarily nervous about it as well to be honest because we all have a touch of imposter syndrome and fear of being judged but you know what drive on anyways kind of my attitude
0: um first of all regina congratulations um massive achievement, a uh, massive amount of work. But it's interesting to say you say you can't believe it because I can absolutely believe it. Every time I talk to you, I feel like there's the the makings of a book. And I and I, I suppose really what surprised me when you told me is that um I would have thought your first book would be about the property market because you are so uh, you're a wealth of information about not just the property market locally, but understanding and being able to communicate how some of the larger kind of um, how some of the larger demographic trends translate into the Waterford market. And that's not that's not a given, you know, not everybody is able to do that. And I think you do that extraordinarily well and you have done over the past number of decades. So we're delighted when when we see you communicating that about the property market. But I think it's really interesting that you've gone straight in your first book. And I'm saying first, but your first book is about how to build a smarter, faster better Irish estate agency. This is a topic I'm so excited about, and I'm really excited that you were the one to write this book. So let's start with the basics. Regina Mangan, what is a smarter, faster, better Irish estate agency? What does that even look like? Well, I suppose, look, uh,
1: uh, if you're to ask me why, in the name of God, would I write this book and, and, and what does it mean? I feel after 26 years in the business, that I wasted a lot of time doing things the long way. And um, there was a couple of key moments in, in, in my business and life where I realized change was needed. And having seen the growth in the business, the growth in myself, the growth in my key people, and understanding those lessons, I really was compelled to share them. And really to to share, it's not, for one minute, smarter, faster, better. It's not that we're smarter, faster, better. It's about how can you get smarter? Smarter for us has been about thinking smarter, working faster, using um, technology. Why waste a whole load of time on menial tasks um, faster is about adapting new um, technology, new ways of doing things, being ahead. I always say, let's be in front of this rather than behind it. Better is about continuous improvement. I'm obsessed about improving myself, my, my business, my people, and my goal, my absolute goal for next year, 2024, is to build a rockstar training culture. And as a result of that, I've seen I've seen in the last couple of years, probably even in the last year, if I'm to be completely honest, that we've more and more people contacting us who want to work with us. So we've got our crap together, should I say, a bit more. Um, and I, there's a there's a big part of the book where I talk about the boss, the people on my bus, have the right people on the bus. That's chapter three. And if you don't have the right people on the bus, you cannot have a successful business. So I suppose it's warts and all, it's stories, it's made up of, of sharing on how I believe if you adopt some of these principles and learnings that I have, that it will help you have a better business.
0: Um, Regina, I have a million questions. So we'll start with one and anybody... um. And I'm really glad that you brought it up about uh, the team uh, about that. You were obsessed with um, improving yourself and the team and building a rock star culture. And I'm going to ask you a question that I hope isn't unfair. But anybody who's worked with me or in the proximity of me will understand the basis for this question. Um, It can be exhausting for your team when uh, it can be exhausting for other people when you see potential in them and you're determined to realize that potential. It can be exhausting for other people. Have you had that experience?
1: I have, yeah. But to be honest, when you have the right people on the bus, they go with you. And um, what I have learned um, is that we have to hire on values And if we don't hire on values and similar, um, I suppose, mindsets, then it's going to be a disconnect for the person coming to work with us and for our business. What do I mean by that? One of our values is that we're constantly innovating. So if we're hiring and somebody hates change, they're just not going to work out with us. It's just not going to work. It doesn't mean that they're not a great person. They're just not going to be the right fit. Now, it took me a long time to realize that. OK, a really long time. If I think of the team that I have now, look, Maria has is with me 20 years next January. And she has gone through an enormous change in growth, just like myself. Um, Cormac. Um, who was an estate agent with us for 10 years, left to do his own thing and came back two years later. I persuaded him to come back and do marketing with us and social media, and he's grown with us. So he gets it. Um, I love people who challenge me. So, um, and and like when I say the right people on the bus, that's not just your team, that's your extended team. We have mar- we have a lady called Paula Ronan who came on board for three months as a marketing consultant. And that was pretty much eight to 10 years ago. I can't remember, eight or 10 and we have fierce heated conversations. But I need that. You have to people who are better than you, with you, who challenge you and who are growing themselves at the same time.
0: Um, can we talk about diversity? Because when I think about your team, I think that you were genuinely uh, and I'm saying this in a very open and transparent way, uh, because obviously we've we've known each other and worked together for a long time in the past, and um I think that you are one of the best managers uh, and when, uh, managers that I've seen in this industry in terms of managing the people, the processes and everything. Um, and I think that being a really good manager can be an advantage in some ways, but I do believe it can be an, a disadvantage in other ways. Can we have a conversation around diversity? Because you've always had a very strong team, but from the outside, maybe a very, female dominated team, almost all female. And I see that changing. Um, so can we have kind of a conversation around diversity?
1: I'm really glad you asked me that, Carl, because if you were to say to me, what's the one biggest mistake that I've made? And that is about not having diversity. So for years, um, we've always been more or less all women. We had Cormac there. People used to say, "See the token man, right? Right. And, and the funny thing is I was interviewed many a time about the glass ceiling and I was like, look, to be honest, my problem is I probably don't have any men in the business. That was a fatal mistake. You have to have diversity. Um, I hired a general manager last November. He's with us a year this week. Uh, his former background is corporate banking. My God, he has been an enormous he has played a pivotal part in the transformation of our business to the next level. He's in a great sense of humor. He's very thick skinned. Um, he um he's very smart. His background is corporate banking. Okay. Again, that's somebody who has an edge on myself, Maria, in terms of financial um, you know, and he's financially. I consider myself quite savvy to be honest but he takes it to another level in terms of the communication with clients we have Mart now who's in the office we have Dara yeah I mean we are way more uh diverse and we are way better as a result way 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 better and much happier actually yeah
0: you know I I, I from the outside it's a dynamic. I was curious about and I've seen the change externally for the last while. And so I, I think that sometimes there can be a fear when you're growing the team, because look, we all know part of the problem that contributes to lack of diversity in any sector, in any, in any industry, in any business, is that there's a sense of familiarity. The one I know is the one I trust. And it, it's, it's at such a deep, um, unconscious level that we really need to almost actively overcome that. so I, I'm really thank you so much for sharing that so openly um you and, talked and just to add to yeah. that in terms of diversity we have two
1: of our team based in South Africa full time. So we have two they're called virtual assistants. I don't like calling them that because they're very, very, very integrated to the team. We've our office set up with a big screen and we've a marketing suite so we meet with them every morning for a team meet. Um, but they're incredible and they add more diversity to the team even again.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really strong point And I hope anybody listening in today, you know, even if they're they're looking at growing the team, even if it helps them to make a more conscious step to to look at the diversity makeup of their team, I think that will be helpful. And um, Regina, you talked just about um one of the one of the, the, the motivating factors for you writing this book is because, you, you know, like every business owner, you know, we, we find things out the hard way. And look, I, I say it in the joking way in our office. um but my daughter also works as part of our team, so she gets a bit of a harder time than the rest. But I do make the point that um. You know, you don't have to make every mistake I made. You know, you can just learn from some of the ones I made. You don't have to make them all for yourself. And I say it jokingly, but there is a sense of truth in that as in look, you know, and and that's not to say that what worked in the past won't work now. And obviously things change, but there is a feeling that as an entrepreneur, you really just it's almost like a, a form of um a, a form of torture, like you want to keep you want to keep uh, doing things the hard way. and if there's another way to learn, then obviously we want to be doing that. You described some key moments uh where you knew change was needed. Now from you know inside you're running a successful estate agency uh, with a huge lettings arm to to the business. what are the kind of key moments or can you share those with us where you knew change was needed?
1: Well, you know, another huge lesson for me really was working with clients whose values weren't aligned with ours. Like to me, if I was to take, go back in time um, or for anyone to listen, don't put up with toxic clients. Mm -hmm. And like I had one client that we suffered for eight years and to think when we fired him. It was absolutely like having the biggest burden removed. Then recently, we had another client with 10 properties. Um, We sold him most of them. We were managing for a number of years. But as time went on, his demands were growing and he wanted to pay less and less. He was dictating the terms. And interestingly, he was the one who took up the most time. Right. So he um, got the a discount, which we charge 10% to manage properties. And I tell you, it's such a labor intensive business. He wanted for a different fee. We negotiated um, just a little bit now, but then he didn't want to pay for admin charges. He wanted basically the all inclusive buffet. Right. And, you know, we don't do that anymore. We want to run a happy business for our team, our colleagues. And our customers. And if you've got a client who's basically hardcore, negative, beating you down, eating loads of time, not wanting to pay your fees, you're not setting yourself up for success because you're you're not on form. You're not, you haven't got peak performance. So the the pinnacle for me was when I was having a conversation with Varisha, who is based in South Africa and she runs our maintenance and she's amazing now and she takes so much pride in her work and she does a rock star job and she said regina i said tell me about your challenges in the job and she spoke she said look really it's just this particular client and um i said okay so i when you look at your values it's very easy to decide well this is our roadmap for how we do business and for us our mission is to um bring happiness to our colleagues, our community, um, to bring happiness to our colleagues, our clients, our colleagues and our community. And sure, if everyone's depressed about the situation, sure, that's no good to anybody. So look, we helped him move on in his journey to another agent and it was all very amicable and very professional, but it's been a huge relief. And in terms of the law of attraction, we plugged those holes with other business and I would say trust yourself, trust your team, and put a value on yourself. That's my advice.
0: Um, I think that's really good advice. And look, I I'm very conscious that people listening in will no doubt recognize, uh, or they'll uh, you know what you've said will resonate with them. But um, like them, I and like you, I've been in the position where sometimes when you're running a business, when you have to meet payroll, sometimes you have to take on work that you ordinarily might choose not to do and you know it's great when you get to the position where those kinds of decisions become few and far between but you know there is I I know an economic reality that sometimes you know you make the decisions and you know you know in your core when you're making them we shouldn't really be taking on this client but you take them on because as you you be desperate
1: yeah, yeah well, I, it's a it. bad,
0: it's a bad place. It's a bad place to be making business decisions. So like leaving that aside, because I absolutely uh, yeah, agree yeah. with you. But I had okay. one thing
1: yeah. to So if you are taking on a tricky client, set out your boundaries, mm. set out your boundaries at the outset. We made mistakes. I particularly made the mistakes of taking late calls. You know, I suppose the disrespect parameter started to go up and up. Set out your stall at the outset Um, if they're difficult um, set out your boundaries, and that definitely will help alleviate some of the problems
0: um listen no i think I think that's very good advice um at the end of the day, actually, I think businesses thrive when you get the right client and and sometimes the right client will be like I have one client that now we're working together so long that I can jokingly say to her she is she is the client who manages me the best, not my team who manages me the best, but that's actually. It. Um, so, so she would definitely be one of the ones that would uh keep me on track in terms of deadlines, in terms of deliverables. But um, if I was looking for somebody on my team, I would want that person on my team. So you know, sometimes difficult can be, you know, maybe not the right word. So there's a huge difference between clients that are very good at managing you, and you need to be as good at managing them um, as ones you. that
1: and dampen the spirit funny. of
0: the of the business. <laughs>
1: I think you've hit the nail on the head. Look, you can have fair, demanding clients who have good values.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and that's different. I'd be look, yeah. I'd be accused of being demanding myself sometimes, <laughs> but I would have good values. Do you yeah.
0: know? Yeah, no, no, I, there is different. But look, uh, one of the things, and I'm I'm conscious of time, so and I know we don't have a huge amount of it, but um, something you touch on there about letting's being extremely labour intensive. Now, you and I share a passion for tech and all sorts of emergent technology and, and innovative processes and systems that means actually lettings shouldn't be as labor intensive as it is right now. So can we talk about some of the technology that you're using right now across the business? You know, maybe some of the tell us some of the technology that you're using that's working well and feel free to share maybe some that you've tried that just didn't work so well for you.
1: Well, Fixflow is a game changer for us. So that is a self-service platform um, where uh, clients, tenants can log on in forty different languages. They can upload their problems, their issues, maintenance issues, twenty four seven. It's just a really good system. There's also tutorials and videos that you can upload. So the idea is that it it it, it lowers the expense for our landlords. So that hopefully tenants can figure stuff off by looking at these videos um simple things like doing um having an inspection app like inventory base it's about having standards really so systems and processes um communication is key sometimes it's the simple things you know having your morning meetings um having your systems around your inspections um we've gotten better at that consistently every week carrying out routine inspections rather than leaving it to um three quarters way in the year where it's big panic. We need to get the properties inspected. Um, It's about looking at your jobs and how many you've got to get done. I do think the RTB is an absolute disgrace of a situation um, in terms of registering um, tenancies, the length of time it takes. Um, It's not fit for purpose. So that's hugely labor intensive for agents and it's not consumer friendly at all. Um, So inventory base, fixed flow, we use Acquaint as our CRM system. We use a man down device for um, health and safety for when our team go out and view properties. And I think that's something that everyone needs to be aware of is our personal safety. Okay. Um, What other stuff we use? Um, Okay. Zero is brilliant. Look, you've got to mind the money. There's a section in the chapter about minding the money. You need to know how much money is coming in, how much money you're spending and being totally on top of your figures um, and your forecasting and managing cash flow, like absolutely the bedrock of any business um, in terms of obviously there's social media. You could call that technology. Artificial intelligence is the talk of the town. That's where it needs to be at. Future um, thinking agents need to be in front of us in terms of using it, in terms of, Creating a better customer experience. Um, we use Active Campaign now in terms of managing uh, leads and uh, marketing. Uh, we use um, a platform for utility transfers, um, just on a blank on the name. Um, there are so many pieces of technology that I mentioned in the book, um, but you need technology because the last thing you want to be doing is spending loads of time on basic tasks that technology can improve on. Splink is a brilliant one. Absolutely brilliant. Somebody pays a deposit, you send them a link and they pay. Um, it's fast. And I think back of how we used to be six years ago in our office. Oh, my God, it was like a train station. People coming in and sending emails. Emails are a waste of time. And one last one, Plan Absolutely amazing piece of kit where and GDPR safe. So your people upload themselves, their references and their admin, all their paperwork. So it's it's highly organized and highly efficient. Um, also, it purges in terms of uh, tenancy applications. We get a huge amount of applications, but we want to be respectful to the people that are unsuccessful to reply. So it's automated. Automation is powerful, really. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and um, Regina, thanks very That that's a great technology stack that you're giving us here. Um, so can you share with us maybe? Look, we'll come. We might just um return to the RTB. Uh, return to the RTB in a moment. But just in terms of the technology, have you any idea? Um about the savings that can be achieved. So essentially you're cutting down on email. I mean, email is the killer of time in any business. So anything that cuts down on email, we're all about. But in terms of say, are you able to share any stats with us in terms of say the number of units under management today compared to maybe five or six years ago when you had more manual processes where you still had to go in and check about um, deposits, you know, where everything was still being done in email or over the counter way? best stat I can give you is that we increased
1: our operating profit by 10% this year, which is a colossal growth. And that is, there is no one silver bullet. Mm-hmm. It's it's small things. I can tell you that we outsourced our accounts. That was probably one of the best things we ever did. We outsourced our accounts function. Um, John has a financial background. He's an accountant. He worked in corporate banking. I mentioned that. But even just stupid stuff, like when we looked at the files The team previously were printing out all the landlord statements, this, that and the other, all this printing. Now, that's on me, not them that I didn't realize it. Right. So in terms of we need to be paperless. So again, it's it's about our environment. um, But also we need to always be asking ourselves, well, why are we doing this? What's the benefit? So um, it's it's lots of different things. It's about looking at our fees making sure that we're not providing um all inclusive buffets for our clients, um, that we are making sure that our technology and our team are well trained, that you're not letting little charges fall off and forgetting to charge them. Stuff like that.
0: Um, I and mean, I, you know, I'm glad you brought up fees because actually it's, it's uh, and I feel like I'm in a really good position to say this because I am not. And I never have been an estate agent but estate agency fees in Ireland are too low they're too low for businesses to invest in their team to invest in their technology to improve the user experience for for buyers sellers renters and consumers of uh, of this sector um and Waterford is one of the cities a number of years ago that we identified where newcomers particularly after the crash were coming into the market and driving rates down now there was a number of Cities and large towns were having this issue, but Waterford was definitely one of them. In terms of fees, um, have has a state agency, and this is a big question. It's I, I, I a you know, answer as you feel is fair, but um, a state agency in Ireland have has it been driven too far into the ground to be able to pull back? Uh
1: no, I don't think so. Um, I think ultimately we all battle with this and I battled with it during COVID with Maria and um, we really analysed, well, what are we doing differently to our competitors? Mm -hmm. There are 53 estate agents in the city and county of Waterford, I've counted, right? So if you're going to go out for a piece of business and compete on fee, you've lost already in my view. So I say to people who say, well, I can get our house sold for whatever, 1.2% to listen to. "Well, Look, are you looking for the best price, the best experience, looking for the cheapest agent? We're not the cheapest agent and nor do I want to be because there's no way that we can invest in technology, in training, in our marketing. We are always sharpening the saw. So it's about creating a great experience and value and getting a fantastic result. For example, you just have to figure out how are you different. So three properties we sold in the last couple of months went um between 13 and 25% over-asking, not because of the market, but mainly because of their presentation and the staging. So like We actually didn't do the staging. We talked the owners through it because they were budget conscious and we gave them the ABC and that transformed um, the outcome for them. And then what's your, what's your sales progression policy in your business? You can't sale, agree a property and then go into witness protection. How are you taking care of your sellers and your buyers? And that's really important for us. So we, we we can stand over our fees. We're not going to be the cheapest and nor do I want to be. And I think agents as well listening, it isn't always, and I say this to ourselves: it's not about having the largest list of properties for sale because you have to be able to turn them over and you have to look at your clients. You have to price right. You have to have the correct pricing strategy and you have to be able to help your client move forward in their journey. It can't be about the fee. The fee is the net outcome in my view. And we're here to serve our customers and do an amazing job, and we can't do that for one percent or one point three percent or even one point five, in my opinion.
0: Um, I am genuinely delighted to hear you say that, and I that's coming from a non vested interest point of view. I, I just, I have an interest in improving the property ecosystem for all consumers within it and I believe that requires a much greater focus on innovation and technology and that requires investment and if there's no margin to invest then actually I I feel like we're in a, a really unsafe place for the future of a state agency. Um, Regina final question uh, because I, I'm happy and how uh, you know I, I think that's a, a, I absolutely agree with you in terms of the value proposition in your book how to build a smarter faster better Irish estate agency do you teach estate agents or intending estate agents how to compete on value rather than fees? Um,
1: I think it's dotted throughout the book, you know, definitely, um, you know, it, 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 again, there's no silver bullet. It's it's knowing what your values and your mission are, um, having the right people on the bus. Like Mm -hmm. if you've got someone who's answering the phone and they've got a drag voice and they don't know what your properties are and they don't know, you know, how to pitch. Well, how can you be confident going out to the market? Because you're only as strong as your weakest link. So I talk about that, about being a challenger brand, standing out. How come so few agents go on video? You have to be doing video now and you have to show people um, who you are and I spoke about the the, the uh, conference the other night, the construction conference, and there was a gentleman there that I was dying to meet for ages. And I asked a client of mine to introduce me. I could not believe it. Do you know what he said to me? He said, Regina, I feel like I already know you. And I said, really? How's, how's that? He said, I'm always watching your videos. We get caught up in likes and shares. And Lisa Novak, she's amazing. I, I I watch her. She's in Australia. She's really worth following. She's in the yeah. top, top category of estate agents. There's going to be loads of haters out there when you go on social media. I speak about the haters. I speak about the people who talk about you. I don't care. I'm not for everyone. My business is not for everyone. That's fine. I'm absolutely good with that. And in it, um, I just say, the importance of video and your personality and that gentleman the other night saying, I feel like I know you. There are people watching who don't say anything. And one day they just pop up and say, hi, I want to work with you. And that has happened. It's been amazing.
0: Uh, Regina, listen, you're you're preaching to the choir to me. I, you know, I feel like I've been banging that drum for such a long time. And I think that there is, there is a, a real movement in terms of uh, digital PR and digital. Um, you know, I, I go so far beyond digital marketing, like it's digital communication. That's how people want to, con- to consume and interact with the with your information. But I'm just going to uh, close on this final note. And um, I I uh, interviewed Terry Gorey recently and I was asking him about what he does, you know, the all of his TikTok. And uh, he is such a respected presence on social media and You know, maybe asking why he thinks he's probably one of the few or certainly um, there are very few uh, solicitors who take the same approach. And he said, I don't know, but I'm I'm glad I'm great. If, If no other if no other solicitor discovers TikTok, that's great for me. And I just thought it was a really funny but truthful way to say it. So the, the reality is not every estate agent is going to go out and talk about the market because there's there's a certain amount of altruism in that as well, because you're sharing a lot of information when you don't know how that that's ever going to come back to you. And in my experience over the decades, it comes back in spades. So I'm really delighted to see the content that you and your team are putting out. And I'm really excited. I can't wait to read the new book, um, How to Build a Smarter, Faster, Better Irish Estate Agency, which is due out in January 2024 and we will definitely be sharing the links and all of the information in relation to that so thank you so much that was Regina Mangan Managing Director of Liberty Blue Estate Agents my thanks to Katie Talon and the production team at Hear Me Roar Media and huge thanks to our show sponsor daft.ie, Ireland's most visited property website and thank you indeed for tuning in we'll catch you on the next episode of the Property Roundup in the meantime please be sure to check out all of the other Irish and international real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio